Blog Talk Radio. Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain. Hey everybody, I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal and Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. And we're happy to say we're translating to many different languages for our listeners outside the country. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744. And the Paranormal and the Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we're here uh, every Friday at 6. Okay, I'm going to give you the number one more time, 619-924-9744, for those who are calling in to listen. Uh, during the show, I can take your questions in order in chat, and you may call in with your questions and speak with our honored guest tonight. Any buzzkillers in chat or on the phone, you know, I'm going to ignore you, and then if you do get in, I'm going to kick you out. So let's play nice and be polite and no buzz killing, okay? Uh, right now, it's uh, Contact in the Desert. They're there now, and all my friends are went over there to Joshua Tree, and it's for the whole weekend. So I think they still have time to kind of uh, go over there and meet some people. And they're having a weekend of exploration to extraterrestrial life, ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, UFO sightings, anti-gravity machines, and all kinds of stuff. And not only is George Norrie going to be here, George Tiaroka, John Mars, um, Lori Eisenhower, uh, oh man, this is Stan Freeman. Oh, there's just a, a huge lineup. And uh, Nick uh, Redfern is also going to be there. A bunch of other of my friends, I know Jackie's there already. And so that's going on this weekend. Now, coming up in June, Gary Bob Ross is doing his archetypal uh, Jungian uh, presentations. And you can find all the information on where to find tickets and when the shows are starting. And he's doing live shows and also over the Internet. So you go to www.archetypalnature.com. And it's very fascinating. If you're into Jungian and synchronicity and all that, uh, it's amazing. So go to his site and find out all the new updates. And, of course, we have in mind Experiencers Speak back east in Maine. It's coming up in August, so it's going to be nice and toasty out there for those in Maine, August 28th through 29th. So uh, go to the Experiencers Speak page and find out more about it. And for Zero International... Uh, we missed the meeting last time. Uh, something was going on with the meeting spot, so it'll be rebooked, and I'll tell you when as soon as we can. It'll be online. And you can also find out what Zero Events. Zero is a support system for uh, experiencers. And where you contact them is go to www.zerointernational. That's C-E-R-O-international.com for upcoming events. And also you can find uh, our Peter Cedar Yvonne Smith's uh, number. She's a licensed hypnotherapist and will help people that have been 
traumatized by, uh, or I just have questions of, about alien abduction and things like that because uh, we do know an extreme amount of experiencers, and we do have one on tonight, and I'm also myself an experiencer. Now I'm going to tell you, next week we have an extremely interesting show with exorcist Archbishop Ryan, Ron Fell, F-E-Y-L-E. He'll be discussing spirituality and demonology, so it's going to be my first, and I've done a lot of shows, it's going to be my first uh, discussing this kind of thing. So let me see if Rob is around. Okay, I see him. So uh, there's Rob. Uh, he's he's in the queue, and now he just has to call in. So uh, I'm going to put, I can see you, Rob. I don't know if he can hear me. Uh, he's in Australia. So I know he's there, so he's made it this far, and he's probably being able to listen to the show. So, Robert, just waiting for you to, to uh, sign in, and it's uh, due the Skype to call. So look around. Uh, I'm not sure what everything looks like uh, from your end, and uh, it's just try to find a way to get into there. and get. It has to go to the phone, and then it goes to me. So it's a Skype, then it to the call, and then it to me, and that's how you get on the show. That's what I understand anyway, the people that use it. And we've had calls from Ireland and South America and everywhere, and it generally works like that. So um, anyway, I'm hi to all my friends in chat. I see you there. And I can see that our fearless Cyrus Blue is also there. And let me check it out, what's going on here. Hmm. Okay, we're just waiting for uh, our guest tonight to sign in, and um, he's he's found his way into the chat room, and now uh, look above uh, Rob and uh, look at the front page, because I'm in the studio right now. I can't see the front page anymore, and you have to press the button. Okay, so I'm looking everywhere and how I can help him. Um. Let me think. And there's no way I can call him. It's not set up like that. If he was in the States, I could call him. I think he's trying. So, Brother Blue, uh, uh, Facebook me and uh, tell me what your situation is over there. Just message me. I think it's about 11 o'clock in the morning over there. It's already tomorrow. Anyway, I think he's trying. Let me see. Okay, I'm going to refresh just to be sure I'm seeing everybody I can see. Because you know how blog talk radio can can be interesting sometimes. Everything looks good from this side. I just need Rob to get get in queue. Oh, no, I don't see him anymore. can hear me if he's on the internet, uh, tell him to please call in or give me a message. I don't know. Uh, Rob, try the... 
um, use Skype, Rob, and then it's a button you push, Skype to call. So if you're in Skype, oh, oh gosh, I see what he's saying. Hmm, I don't know what to do. Let's see. Uh, let's see, blue. And you know you can't do this till after the show starts because that's when all the buttons show up. So we're in a dilemma. We couldn't do it ahead of time either. So let's see if I'm looking at everything correctly. Okay, Rob, if you can hear me, sign out of everything and sign back in and try again. I'm sign out, reboot, and try again. Okay. Hold on a minute. Please be patient, people. Okay, well, we're trying to figure this out. I'm going to put some music on for when I, uh, you know, I have a, a friend who has, who is, who actually produced on the summer's instrumental and i'm going to play that a little bit in the background so uh hang in there with us we're going to get this done i think i can see uh brother blue again Okay, we're still trying. So, uh, Brother Blue, if you can hear me, uh, this. Oh, I see. So he's doing it now. He has to sign in. So, I guess. Be patient, audience. So he's going to start all over. And, uh, anyway, I can read a little bit of his, uh, bio, but we're trying to figure it out. Okay. Now, Ron Freeman has been my friend for the past couple of years, and he really helped me out of a jam a couple of years ago. And uh, he's an experiencer and also as a retired police officer has uh, lived an incredibly interesting life. Uh, he's one person that you can truly trust. Uh, he has your back and he's a very strong person and he's always been there for me. And uh, he's, we're going to try to get him on here. We're going to start all over again.
Okay, so let's try to do that. I saw him go. Okay, I think I see somebody. Um, Tara, so is that you? B E O B E A H, is that you? We're just ready for our guest to come on here. Okay, fine. I see you. Okay, let's do this. Let me. And no, thank you, Donna. We really appreciate you stepping in. And uh, you're live with Paranormal and Sacred. Hello. Is this Rob? Yes, dear. How are you, Sha? Oh, my goodness. We did it. Yay. Hallelujah. Yay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a God. Anyway, there is a God. <laughs> and you got on here. Well, I want to welcome you to the show. Um, I don't know what you did, but you did it right. So whatever happened, the last thing you did, it was right. And I don't know what it looks from your end. So 
it's kind of a dilemma. Oh, yeah. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. We're here now. That's the main thing. That's right. So let me do a little introduction. Uh, that uh, Rabbi was telling everybody that um, you reply a retired police officer, and you uh, have led, you know, exemplary life. And I've always, you know, I've told them I met you a couple of years ago, and I really look up to you. And uh, you really helped me out of a few jams and uh, personal jams. And I want to thank you for that. And I know that you are also an uh, experiencer, and I thought that, you know, you're a very interesting person, and uh, this is like your first interview, and I feel fortunate to have you on tonight. So welcome. Thank you very much, uh, and I, I'm very honored. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you very much. So do you want to start at the beginning so you can go through, uh, you know, where you were born and raised and uh, a little bit about uh, your beginnings and so people can get to know you? Sure. Um, yeah, well, I was born in 1960 in the southeastern area of Australia in a large country town. Um, from all accounts, the um, young life was fairly normal. I was the second um, of four children, uh, the eldest boy. Um, I was a bright, healthy, eager-to-please type. Um, um, used to follow my dad around everywhere, and, uh, of course, he'd, he'd trained me up to, to look after the house while he was away deer hunting, so I I had my chores and um, my responsibilities. I had two younger brothers who whom I had to look out for, of course, like we all do, and um, they didn't like that very much, but uh, that was my job. Um, yeah, I enjoyed my sporting when I was a kid. I was a bit of a thinker. I used to spend a fair bit of time on my own watching watching things, but I was also a I balanced that out with being um, <clears throat> an avid sportsman. Um, I used to grab the broom handle and run up and down the kitchen singing "She Loves You," yeah, 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 when the Beatles mm -hmm. came out. So I was, um, you know, I was a bright little fellow and. Um, my Irish grandfather used to come home from the pub and sit me on his knee and said, son, I want you to be a policeman. And I think that stuck. So that's the, um, that's the, the basics of the early, early, you know, first 10 years or so of my life. Yes. What was your family's uh, belief system about the paranormal or uh, anything like that? Good question wasn't spoken about really um however um i remember um being aware of of uh things like flying saucers and ufos when i was a little boy i remember one night we ran across the road to my friend's place and called his mum out because we thought we could see a, a flying saucer and i think really it was just venus you know just changing colors in the afternoon afternoon light but um sky but uh yeah, I was always looking out my window every night and, and looking at the moon and, and looking up at the sky. And yeah, um, I, was, I, was, I, I was different from my t younger two brothers, definitely. Um, you know, I had an inquiring mind and um, we, we weren't made to go to church or anything like that, but we were brought up in a, a fairly disciplined, structured way. My father worked very, very hard. Um, Mum was a nurse prior to um, the family starting up, and um, our dad was a very well-known sportsman in the area. Our Australian code of football. Our dad 
dad was a champion footballer and uh, I can re remember people saying, oh, you're never going to be as good as your dad, but I, I wouldn't be the first boy that's copped that one. Um, well, yeah, so, yeah, go on, Shah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you have that um, that pressure to exceed and excel and, uh, you know, but you really lived up to it to me. I think you, I think well, you, I, uh, you, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I tried. I tried to do. I, I, I tried to be seen in in a good light in my father's eyes for sure. You know, I looked. At, I loved mm -hmm. my father, and uh, sadly, Dad got very sick, um, very sick when he was forty, and I think that changed things a little bit for him. I think it it gave him a bit of uh, time to to stop and think, and um, uh, I think he felt a little bit let down by. The, he was a mason, actually, and um, mm -hmm. he—I think—he felt felt let down by by uh, by his friends uh, at the time, and he became quite bitter. And of course, I was moving into my pubescent years, and um, um, he knocked me around a bit. Um, <clears throat> but um, and that was a bit rough. But uh, I think that it was—you know—it was just frustration on his part, and I think my brightness and and um, you know, spontaneity and someone used to rub him up the wrong way. I think Dad, I think Dad expected me to be just like him, and uh, I think consequently, me having a mind of my own um, and not being like Dad. Although I suppose I mimicked him in, in a lot of ways, but you know, I used mm -hmm. to cop you know names like No All and Persephone and ballet dancer, and uh, you're a No All and you show off and repose and all that sort of stuff <laughs> I was just trying to be like him you know so I, I couldn't win but um, you know I, I by the time I was 14 I I had a very strong desire to to become a policeman um, I wanted to help people um, it was a pretty simplistic sort of a, a mindset to be honest with you but I just looked at it as a way to be out there in the world and, and helping people so I think that there was an underpinning there was a there was a um, Underneath, underneath everything, there was that that innate desire to be, to to want people to be happy, um, to want people to feel safe, um, to help people, and 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 I suppose from my end of it, you know, subliminally it was, I wanted people to like me, you know, I wanted to be seen as a good person, and I also I also I look back now, Shara, and I can I can honestly. Um, I, I always, I knew, I always knew I wasn't alone. I've, I've kind of felt that there was someone with me all the time. I always felt that, you know, someone was watching. You know, not in a negative way, but uh, I look back now and I know that it was God. God was always there in my life. So uh, I wasn't, and I, I gravitated towards the um, the church. Um, I, I grew up. Everyone thought I was Catholic because I used to go. We had this beautiful, we have this beautiful Catholic, high Catholic church with a huge, uh, you know, with the big. Um, uh, church, the bell tower um, in my hometown here. Um, oh, it's a hundred miles away now, or hundred seventy miles away from where I am now. But my hometown, um, we had this beautiful uh, Catholic church, and 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 the inside of it was, was the roof was <clears throat> the ceiling was uh, painted up like uh, you know the 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 one where that that guy uh, over in Italy, I think he he painted the roof like uh, the, the ceiling. Chapel? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it's got all the beautiful, beautiful paintings in it. So I, I used to gravitate oh, down beautiful. there, and um, you know that that was just off my own bat. So yeah, look, I I I probably had an unconscious um, um, a connection with God, uh, you know, all the way through without actually being conscious of it. Well, you were drawn to that uh, piece of that church, and. Uh... That that is sometimes our saving grace, even when we don't realize it till we look back, and that's where uh, things changed and uh, and things started. Um, you had. Uh, do you want to uh, start with uh, talking about your early? It says uh, that you had lived in an old 1930s hotel near the main railway near Melbourne. So that yep. sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, how I got my foot in the door as far as um, realising a definite connection to to source, creation, deity, Jesus, God, you know, was um, I joined the police cadets down here in Melbourne when I was 16. Um, so I left, I, I, I travelled 180 miles from home out in the country to the city, a very foreign place for me. The saving grace was that we lived in a, a ten-story old um, um, hotel um, in Melbourne that was down near the Southern Railway Station at the south end of the city, and uh, so I'd, I'd hop on the train from home and 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 just walk across the road, and I was back. So I'm saying that in the res- in the respect that I was kind of protected from the unknown, um, and I was in this. Uh, building uh, where we trained of course we used to go out and get, do our activities outside of the academy but basically it was like a college a big college um, and there was I think it was like 400 of us all up um, and I really I really loved it I did my last year of high school the first year uh, in 77 and um, uh, we had uh, uh, we had class holidays for two weeks um, in August that year actually I I remember where I was when Elvis died because uh, we were heading down uh, this hill uh, to an old lead shot tower um, in a drizzly rain and the, the breaking news, you know, the king is dead, Elvis has passed away, Elvis died this morning and blah, blah, blah. And so I, I God bless Elvis too, because I loved him, but um, um, I remember where I was. So I remember the, I remember the, the time frame and... Um, that was the 16th of August. Now we had this. I had I had what I would call um, a, a maybe a not an NDE, but it was a weird experience where maybe there was a little bit of lost lost time. We went down to the cliffs on one of the islands in, near Tasmania, uh, and we walked across the back of the island. And at the back of the island was just cliffs and and, and sea, so it was just a sheer drop. And along this, there was a slope that led down to the cliff, and there was like cattle trails down there so we walked down there was there was myself and two other uh, cadets we walked down to the uh, to have a look over at the edge of the cliff and um anyway they they seemed to just disappear on me like that we we turned to leave and then the next minute here I am on my own and I'd lost uh track of the trail and I remember having to kind of crawl up the side of this hill and I I was grabbing onto like um you know, little bits of vegetation and stuff among the among the um, the gravel, um, 
and and thinking, oh, no, if I slip, I am gone, you know. And the next minute, it's dark. Like, I mean, I managed to make it up and I went back, got back to the group and they said, where the hell were you? And and I look back now and I I, I, I wonder whether that was had something to do with what happened. Um, a couple of days later, we, we, we flew back up to Melbourne and a friend of mine, <clears throat> whom I've just recently acquaint, reacquainted with, um, um, and which was good because I I had an album that he lent lent me back then and I never gave it back because it was so good, and I had the chance to buy it and say, hey Chris, here's that record I never gave you back, but uh, that that was a bit of a laugh. I hadn't seen him for about thirty years, but um, anyway, Chris and I went down to the cinema and we watched um, uh, happened to be the Clockwork Orange, and yeah. that was a bit of a pretty. Um, eye-opening sort of a film anyway, an impressive uh, movie. And we're walking back up the few blocks to go across to the back to the academy. It was a Sunday night. And uh, we run into this uh, young hippie-looking guy with his girlfriend, and he stopped and talked to us, and he told me about, he told me about you know, Jesus, and he said, um, you, know, you know, if you really want Jesus in your heart, all you have to do is open up your heart open your heart and, and ask him and, and, and ask him for forgiveness, you know, when we've all done wrong things or we all feel, you know, carry some shame, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. And Chris, Chris was sort of, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Chris was a, he, Chris grew up in a different town, a bit of a rough town and, and um, you know, there was a lot of big bravado, yeah, no, yeah. But Chris was really soft as marshmallow inside, a really nice fellow. And anyway, so <laughs> that, I, I found that conversation rather interesting and anyway I got, I got we got back home and Chris went up to his room and I went I went to my room and it was you know back to work the next morning and sometime during the evening I woke up and I was just paralyzed with fear I just I felt there was a presence in the room I didn't know I, this had never happened to me before I felt there was a presence in the room um a few years later, I saw a film called Salem's Lot, and there was a scene in, in Salem's Lot that reminded me um, of that, only I didn't see the, the evil person. I didn't see the... Oh, you I know, remember I just, that Yeah, you know, that, that one, and it was in the cinema back then, it was really loud, you know, and then bang, and there he was, you know, this ugly-looking demon guy. But, um, yeah, so, but, I mean, that was some years later, but this that kind of reminded me of it without the actual seeing anything... But I felt there was, mm-hmm. I felt, I felt in present fear for my life. And I misquoted it when I wrote that introductory email to you, Shara. I, I meant to yeah. say trust. I said truth. I, I, I meant to say trust. Uh, I, I felt the immediate desire, you know, need to ask Jesus to save me. And all of a sudden I became unbelievably emotional and I was crying and I was and I and I made a cross with my two index fingers and held it up in front of me for protection and um, <clears throat> I just um, you know, I became really emotional and I and I was just done you know just tears were flowing and and then I've just suddenly felt really I, I just felt relieved of all kind of stress and pressure and hurt and Fear and and uh, I fell asleep. Um, I asked Jesus to save me. I, I asked Jesus to be, come into my life, and uh, um, I gave myself to Jesus. You know, and that was it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You know, here I am talking on a world radio here, and I and it's the truth. I told, I, I, 
actually the next, I woke up the next morning and I told a couple of people what had happened. And one of the hecklers in the class who used to really give me a hard time and, uh, you know, if we want to listen, listen, Freeman, if we want to hear from you, I'll rattle the pig bucket, okay? That sort of real heckler he was. And he, he and I became, okay. he come, to, come knocking on my door. He said, did you speak to Jesus last night? And I said, yes, I did. And we became thick, really solid mates for for a long time, you know. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he came from a church-going family and Baptist family and, uh, you know, they welcomed me into their family. And uh, so it was good to have someone to, to, to hang about with out, out in Melbourne, but that was that was honestly, Shah. That was, I think that was about the twentieth of August in nineteen seventy-seven, mm-hmm. and I think that that was that that was really my step in the door, and I I've never let go of that, and uh, I'm I'm a grateful servant, if you want to put it that way. Yes, I can see that um, people that had the real deal uh, spiritual experiences, what I call it. Uh, have uh, usually a time of deep darkness. Evelyn Underhill calls it the dark night of the soul. So there's, mm. a, there's a crisis followed oh, yeah. by a reaching out to God, and then yep. you have the spiritual experience. Because I, I was in the 80s when that happened to me, 81, actually. That's weird yep. how we can remember the day, I remember the time, I remember yes. the city I yes. was in. I'm not, I Absolutely. actually moved recently, and I'm actually more near the spot where it happened. But yep. um, it it uh, dramatically changes your life because you have faith, right? But then yep. after this happens, you you have knowledge. Then you know That's that exactly there's something right. out there. Yes. And then Absolutely. you can recognize it in other people too. It's a uh, it's really something. It's it's just one thing because there's people that get kind of obsessed with religiosity and stuff like that. I don't want to talk about those that that because. I'm not really into that, but then there's this other thing that happens. It's the real deal experience, yes. and it it actually yes. will change your life on the spot. Definitely, and that's what happened to me too. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, the thing yes. for me is that you know all all you know we all know that um, just because it doesn't stop the um, the lessons and the journey and the vicissitudes no. of life, but it's a, it's a great thing to know that you're not alone and that. Jesus is in in you and and without you, and it's uh it just it just takes away that anxiety of of you know fear of of existence. You know, it's it, yeah, it's been a great thing for me, and it's been with me ever since. Because you were only at the time that happened to me. I think I was eighty. How old was I? Eighty one. Anyway, I was a lot older. So uh, you were ready a lot younger. I wonder what when you had that missing time out by that cliff, uh, do you yep. know what happened or it was just the preceding the uh, evil feeling that you had in the other place? Um, no, I don't know. I don't have any recollection. I don't have any recall of anything other than not realizing how much time had passed and it seemed to get very how dark. How time had passed? That's what I was going to ask you. Oh, uh, I think that it would have been if 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 this is what happened. I'm just I'm I'm going yeah. back 37 or eight years now. But I I you know when when you're not looking out for these things, you don't really you know unless something comes someone comes up to you and said, oh, have you ever had a missing time situation, or have you had ever had anything strange happen where you wondered where the time went? 
you know, then that would sort of make you think, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, back in 77 down in Tasmania, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly it seemed like, you know, like maybe an hour. Had, it, look, it could, have been, it could have been nearly an hour, I think. No. And it didn't take me an hour to get up the side of that hill. But uh, suddenly, yeah. but but I do feel you know how you you recall things and something comes up and it and it and it connects connects. That's that's I don't yeah. I don't think it's altogether irrelevant that that near death or that very very uh, tense moment of survival occurred to me only two days or three days before I ran into the young guy who was meant to be. Whom I was meant to, you know, I'm like you, mate. I don't, I don't believe mm-hmm. in coincidences, you know. That right. sort of goes back behind us, you know. This, that was absolutely meant to be. That that series of events was meant to be, you know. Um, I have no doubt whatsoever. I would say po- possibly an hour of time. Mm-hmm. Possibly an it's hour. A, um, before. Before that particular thing happened to me, I had a complete crash, like ego deflation. I don't know what else to call it. Just a yeah. total loss, a loss of yep. anything that I thought I was. And yes. it came crashing down, and then uh, I reached out to a higher power. Well, the only thing I could think was, is God, all I want to do is your will. And that's when yep. uh, the Holy Spirit came to me. And yep. then I realized it was my problem all along for not feeling it because... Uh, I had a weird sensation of my heart breaking or that I had like a plastic shield over my chest or something, and it was cracking, yep. and yep. the spirit swooped in. And I have since talked to somebody about this, and he turned. He was a rabbi. He said, do you know in the Jewish religion that we have something that's called cracking a shell to get into mm-hmm. your inner person? I went, no, I didn't yep. know that. It's like all of what we're experiencing has a precedent and uh it's spoken about in these uh spiritual circles uh mm. and people have had it happen and they've said the same words and it's it's really hard to put into words actually i find myself just that, making that, up words just like so a talk no to that you, makes sense you know? that makes sense because there's no way i would have spoken um as vulnerably and personally to other cadets about what had happened to me. I had no shame, no fear, no concern about being humiliated. I told it as it was uh, because it was true. Yes. And uh, people actually can hear this. I hear like a bell of truth, and you can hear that. When somebody's speaking mm. the truth, it it, it, uh, it does something to you. There's recognition there. And uh, I, I'm sure that you, uh, you know, impressed others around you. So... This uh, this uh, you graduated, so you this is only takes you up to when you were uh, eighteen. But you were actually the president, the league, the senior cadet. Yeah, I was. I was elected by the um, the the uh, the our superiors, the the um, hierarchy, um, as the senior cadet, which um, I wasn't. I I felt quite. I, that that kind of made me feel a little bit exposed. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sort of expecting that. I I like to just be be you know one of the boys, you know, be you know part of the team, you know. But uh, yeah, that was that was just uh, in recognition of my my efforts and my attitude. I would presume. Um, I remember 
copying some resentment from some others, some of the others, but that doesn't that doesn't really matter, you know. It is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Can I tell you? Can I tell you before we go well, forward? Can I tell you about a dream that I had when I was a little boy that I had that that was a repeated dream that went. I probably I would say into my twenties, but I look back now. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, we'd love to hear it. Really, tell us. Okay. Um, we um, well, I when I was a little boy, I can't remember how young I was, but I would say possibly seven. It started when I was seven. Probably, I wouldn't think younger, but that's that's where I re- remember it from. Um, I don't I don't remember the first time I was in a in an aeroplane. I think it was when we actually went on that trip down to Tassie when I was seventeen. So I'm talking about ten years earlier, and um, I was in a a small, well, a hot, brightly lit room with a little man, and it was cool, and we were standing up at a window and looking down over the town at night time. I could see the town lights and stuff like that and and um and he was smiling at me and I I cannot clearly see his 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 face and I think it's partly because if you have no frame of reference or no recall from prior to coming into this life of anything that you agreed to or knew before you came in into this life um to see something as unusual perhaps as what this little man looked like um, I kind of recalled him as having a big forehead or a big nose, but he was smiling and we were both looking out the window and it was a small compartmental room. And I, I, I even, um, I kind of felt like I was, I was blowing fog onto the, the window, but we're looking down over this and we're just slowly going over this, over the town. Now, <clears throat> what is remarkable to me just short of my 55th birthday, is looking back, and here I am, a seven-year-old boy, and it didn't seem, and I, I, I can't, I can't understand why it, it wasn't strange, for me, or I didn't think it was strange that I was bigger than a man. And also, um, I look back now, and <clears throat> I think perhaps that screen memory, or that, 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 sort of human reconciling what I was seeing in my mind um, because there was no alarm. It's just I'm looking back now from an adult logical perspective and saying he must he, he must have looked somehow different for me to to um, to think that he had a big nose or a big forehead. I, I'm wondering now if it, it's just that he had a large cranium and I and I've remembered it that way. I I, I don't know. I don't know. But it was certainly um, a, a happy experience. Uh, it was a repeated dream. Um, I look at it now, and from what I've been through and where I'm at today, Char, I I do believe that that was um, I was actually in a craft with a small being, and and we were up there at night. And that's what I believe. You know, I mean, I, I'm not trying to prove anything, but that's what I believe. Yeah, I. How old were you when this started? I, I look. I, I, I think the first time I dreamt it, I was probably about seven. Mhm. Mm. Yeah, I had the same dream since I was about four, and they were the well, same I, height I, I was. Younger. I'm pretty short. Yeah. 
I, I started when I was four, and I remember investigating the house because I believed it was happening. And uh, so I'd investigate the house after, trying to figure out how they got me out of the house. Yeah. Because I was literally yep. lifted up, and I can remember being dragged up into like a tunnel and then into yes. a ship and over and over yep. and over. And I oh. actually went into therapy when I was 19, and I he said, do you have any reoccurring dreams? I said, yes. And I told him about all the dreams, and I don't remember any reaction from him. Yep. Now, now if I heard that from somebody, I would think, are you getting abducted? You know, and uh, I think that's how you're you're able to go through it. When you're a kid, you believe mm. you're dreaming, and it helps you. Yeah. Except yeah. that my sisters were having the same problem. Then we had that DJ thing going on. We used to call him Dr. Lee John, like a shadow person in a, in a hat and a cloak. Yep. Yep. I don't know if you guys were, had all that mystery going on, but we sure did. The hat and the cloak? Um, yeah. yeah I, it reminds me of um, um, the lady up in um, Queensland here and her friend that um, she had the, you know, the, the, the guy in the black coat the Zorro look you know with the Spanish hat and you know yeah I, I mean it all it's all good but um no look I I, I do it when I had my first uh, regression with Mary Rodwell over in Perth when she lived in Perth back in 2009 um you know I'd been looking for someone for a long time but I didn't trust anyone I wanted I wanted to I didn't want to sort of have to explain myself you know as well as go you know, remember what I was hoping to remember but we met Mary and uh, we went over to see her Emily and I we hopped on the plane and flew over the other side of Australia and I'm I'm, I'm in there and having my regression and um, and I've just lost my train of thought what I was going to tell you about um, was your wife with you yes yeah Emily was with me yep okay we're oh, talking yep. about uh, D- I used to call him Dr. Lee John well DJ and then yeah. I found out a lot of people were calling him the same thing so it's oh, very yeah. odd, but the truth comes yeah. out of kids, you know. Yeah, I think the book that I was thinking about was called um, Human by Day, Zeta by Night. I can't remember the, the name of the lady who wrote it, but she's a darling. Um, anyway, uh, we flew over there, and, and it, during the regression, I, I did re- I did pick up, um, there was a, a couple of little men that I used to think looked like Elmer Fudd that came into my bedroom at night and asked, wow. asked me how I was and asked me how school was and they put something in my ear. It looked like one of those um, those um, carnival straws, you know, with the with the stripes around them, um, the, the coloured, different coloured straw. It looked like, and they were drawing drawing something out of my ear or the side of my head, you know, but they, just, mm-hmm. they said they were just checking out how I was, you know. But they were lovely and I used to... It was kind of like I used to squeeze squeeze one of their their nose. I, I remembered them looking like Elmer Fudd, but they didn't they didn't look um, unlike the drawing on uh, Travis Walton's uh, you know one of the, the drawing where he's sitting on the the um, the bench and the ETs walk in the room and they're wearing red sweaters. Yes, that's, that's that that's similar to how they looked to me. But it was it was very dark. It was very dark. I didn't really sort of. But I rem- remembered these two guys as very happy, uh, very. Um, they were like adult boys. Does that make sense? Yes. They're like 
big, big, bigger brothers to me. You know, how are you, Rob? How are you going? How's school going? You know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I'm starting to go off on tangents, so I must be relaxed. No, it's a, it's interesting to, yeah, good. It's interesting yeah. to hear experiencer's point of view because I always had like a, a terrifying experience. Like I was always running. As soon as I looked into her eyes, I, I just start running. You know, trying yep. to get away from all the stuff, but I think their agenda was different for, with me than it was with you. I think that's the well, the that that's difference. a good point too, Shah, because I I joined Facebook in 2011, and um, that's where I gravitated towards my own kind, I suppose. And I, mm-hmm. I wasn't used to hearing the, the the scary stories. I I I still find it um, hard to understand why. The um, the people in America and the people in England, some of them have some really nasty experiences, and I I can honestly tell you that my contact, it's my hum, human life that's been nasty in places, not certainly not my contact life. Wow, that's interesting. I don't remember. I, I think in a way, along with with my Jesus experience in 1997. 1977, sorry, and my God experience in 2004, and all the the contact um, um, examples and and um, lessons that I've had since 1997 through till now, um, you know, if I if I didn't if I didn't have um, those positive experiences, life would be pretty ordinary for me. Yeah, because we we had discussed this because I've belonged to that zero group for 21 years because I uh, really was disturbed by my experiences. So I wrote a letter to Harvard, and I thought I really need help, so I need big help. And Dr. Mack was over there, and he's the one who introduced me to Yvonne Smith, and that's why I've been in a support group for like 21 years, you know, talking yep. about all this. And uh, I never had a good experience until you know recently. And before um, that, it was just based on fear and uh, having babies and stuff like that. Yep. And it yep. sounds like yours yep. were – were you learning from them? Do you feel like that – what do you think they were doing with you? I'm sure I've learned something. I've certainly, like, from where I am now to where I was 20 years ago, uh, I'm just I'm, – I'm the same Rob, but I'm, a dif- I'm different. You know, I'm, my life has changed so much. I think that in the lowest, the lowest, most lonely, scary, depressed, sad, um, disillusioned time of my life um, around 1997 when I was going through this big, sad fight with my employer over post-traumatic stress disorder and um, not getting any support and wondering you know, why I was such a fool to believe everything I'd been taught and driving around in a police car for 17 or 18 years mopping up death and mm. and giving death messages and so on and so forth and getting bounced off concrete and kicked and threatened and threatened with death and I know where you live and I'm going to come and cut you up with a chainsaw and all that sort of stuff. But going along doing it because you believe in the ideal and then finding yeah. out at the other end of it that everything you were taught to back that up was a lie. Uh, I, I I just couldn't believe it. So I, I felt really, really on my own and I was very angry. Um, people could... I'd, tried to explain it to some people that, you know, the, the job's not what you think it is and, um, you know, life, once you find yourself on the needing end of things, that things aren't quite what yeah. they seem. 
And, uh, man, I was on my own, big time. And I was very angry about it, and you can probably hear it in my voice, and I'm still angry about it because I think it's really, really wrong the way human beings treat other human beings in some respects. And uh, so well, I'm I had to fight. I'm upset about had... it, too, because I can imagine what you've been going through. Uh, I mean, I totally respect you and your wife. You are a couple of the real deal people that I know on this planet. And I know oh, thanks, that Sean. you're exemplary. I know that you are because I have a feeling in my heart about it, and I just know, and you've always mm. proven it yourself to be that way. Anyway, but to to have something you believe in, the same thing happened to me. I watched that uh, that one movie that was talking about what was going on when Bush was elected and all the, the news that we didn't see and everything. I went to the show and saw that, and I just stumbled out of there in horror, yep. realizing yep. things are not what I think they are. You know, and I it's was scary. so disillusioned. It's it's frightening because the it things, the, the morales, the things about, uh, so I can tell that you're a patriot and as well as I am, and I have yep, these things absolutely. that I believe in, and yep. I stand by them. But I had to oh, actually I still detach. Believe in that too. Yeah, yeah, I still believe in it, but I, I actually had to Me detach too. from my government in the yep. way that I look. I I still will will cover my hand for the flag and salute, do the whole thing. However, I depend on my higher power now. Yes. I don't same believe here. they yeah, I don't believe they are gonna fix me in any way anymore. True. To say. True. You know, yes. I know that my higher power will and that we have a lot to learn here. And, well it's uh, a very de- I, Yep. Go ahead. Yeah, go on. Well you experienced it, you know, and uh you know, that's the traumatic thing is that everything you fought for and believed in, uh, you were very disappointed because when you appear to be weak and need something or just yep. human, forget yes. it. Yep. People get cold True. on you, and that's even good friends and family. They'll go, yep. they'll go cold because you need something. True. I don't get it. Tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, well. You can keep going. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> we're not alone anyway. Uh, that's right. But... um. You know, look, I mean, it, it harks back to that old saying, Char, um, God never gives mm-hmm. you anything that you can't handle, you know. So, uh, right. you know, we're a lot stronger than we think we are. But, um, yeah, it was a very, very lonely time. And it was, it was, it was, look, I'll go back to 94. It was, um, 94 was, was, you know, I was having a bit of trouble at work. I was, you know, sadly, I'd, I'd started to drink more beer, alcohol to mm-hmm. sort of help myself relax and um so i had, was in that sort of cycle of training and drinking training and drinking going to work putting up with you know putting up with with workplace psychopaths or people who yes. people who just didn't un, didn't didn't weren't grounded or something I, I i i i won't try and describe it but just i wasn't the same i wasn't like that and um you know, people who were in the job for themselves and and stuff like that. And I'm not I'm not trying to criticise anybody, but it's just that's just the way it was. And um, I I knew that I was heading for a a, a confrontation with my my boss. And uh, you know, I tried to speak to his his superior at at one stage, and he threatened to you know put his foot in my backside. And I thought, well, what's the, what's the point? You know, what's the point of all this? You know. And anyway, um, I was getting ready to go to work this day and I'd swam, you know, a mile in the Olympic pool over at the the big town next to where I was working 
the night before and I spent two and a half hours mowing the lawn um, on the farm property where I was mm -hmm. uh, renting uh, near the small town I was working and uh, I was getting ready to go to work and and I was having a shave. I had my uniform on, left my shirt and I was stand and I was having a shave and all of a sudden I heard this, you're not going to work today, it's over. If you go to work, you'll win the fight but you'll lose the war. Go down and stay at your friend's place and listen to your heart and we will tell you what to do. Um, they're going to... They're going to throw everything by the kitchen sink at you to try and get rid of you. You're going to have to get selfish. In learn, you're going to have to look after yourself. In word, this is I'm telling. I'm crunching this chart just to explain the gist of what I heard. And and they said, we will talk to you through your heart. Listen and do do as we say. And in five years' time, if you've done what you're supposed to do, you'll be able to look yourself in the eye. And I thought I was talking to myself, but I'm going right. to tell you right now, if that was an Archangel Michael or an angel or someone higher guide, I, I will go he, because that was prophetic. They didn't tell me everything yeah. that was <clears throat> going to happen, and it was the hardest five years of my life. But I went through it, and I stuck to my guns, and I felt that I was working hard for people that joined the police force and really believed what they were taught, and that it took every, all of their greater qualities and used them until they couldn't do it anymore, and then they kick you out in the street. <clears throat> and I thought, somebody has got to fight here, and I did, and I won, and I retired exactly five years later. Oh, gosh, I just give you the chills. You know how insurmountable that can be? I don't know many people that won. You know what? You got justice, and that's sweet. Yep. That's a sweet yes. feeling. I've gotten injustice a couple of times. I'm telling you, there's nothing better. <laughs> it's a really weird That's feeling. true. That's true, sis. But justice I'll tell you one thing awesome. else. Go I'll ahead. tell you, there's a, there's a little anecdote to that. You would have thought I'd killed somebody because I won. There's case law, Freeman versus the state of Victoria. Police work is stressful and you can get post-traumatic stress disorder from it. And... Um, they've never let me live this down. I have to fight and fight and fight to keep my pension. You would have thought I'd okay. killed somebody. That's what you get wow. for being truthful. But I love God. God loves me, and it's okay. <laughs> Hang in you there know? because it's worth it. Uh, it is. I had is. I had to do some things uh, that because uh, there was some abuse I was seeing at the hospital with infants, believe it or not. Yes. And yes. I reported it to, I went through the whole chain of command like you're supposed to do, and you're mandated reporter, so you know what I'm talking about. You have to do certain things a certain way. You and do. there was still no re response. I had to go all the way to the top, then I had to go over their head. But I got yep. justice, and they had to, everybody had to go into training because of yes. what I did. And they well sent me a letter of commendation. Oh, and this good. is what I feel. If you can't stand up for those who can't speak for themselves, what good are you? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Really, oh, I had to look at it like that. It's between me and them, and there's something wrong with their brain. You know what I mean? Yes. And uh, yes. I had to do okay. it one more time, and yep. it was this was terrifying because I thought this is going to ruin my career forever. Because being a whistleblower, being a truth, truth oh, person, gee, I tell you. Is, yep. is hell. I know all about that. And yep. My clients, my, my, my coworkers would laugh at me. They went, well, you're way out of limb now, and look, you're by yourself. Ha, ha, ha. 
And I was yeah. like, oh, my God. And, but something told me persevering because what they had done, there was a there was a bipolar uh, young uh, African-American female in group. And yep. she could not be keep quiet. But this is just one of a million things. But this has happened just when I left that floor. This is what they did, like, within an hour after I went downstairs. And there was counsel there, there was a director there, and there was a lead supervisor. And she's the one who authorized it. They taped that girl's mouth shut during group. I didn't hear that last bit. They what? They taped taped one of the clients' mouth shut because she wouldn't be quiet during group. Oh, my God. And she was a very thin African-American female. I'll never forget that girl. And her tears and everything else. And uh, I was the only one that would do something about it. And I did succeed. You know what I mean? Good on you. And, uh, yes, I do. It turned out oh, there was all great. kinds of embezzlement and stuff going on. And there was a lot of abuse and embezzlement. I didn't know all that was going on. All I knew is that you have to do something right. Exactly. I think I think that's the, the thing that, that's one of the, uh, the things about life that used to get me. I always felt that we're answerable to somebody or, or you know, yeah. like up, we're being, there's something watching us. There's something, and I'm not talking about stalking us. I'm talking about, we're not alone. And, and, and what we do does matter. And what, what I could not understand, and this is not me trying to be Mr. Smart, Alec Angel, Paragon of Virtue. It is just that I could not understand why these people who were doing things in the job that I would <clears throat> consider just, totally, totally antagonistic to the office that we were supposed to uphold, I couldn't understand why they didn't realize that God was watching. That's the point. God's watching everything. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't know why they think they can. And then they'll, they actually would say they're Christians and do that stuff. I don't, I don't understand it either. It's, it's, uh, Except, okay, I think there's another thing that we have to acknowledge is that cruelty is just in them. And then when you said psychopath, you're talking about the truth here. Yep, that they're psychopathic, true. they're not, they don't feel amp- yep. empathy for others. True. You know, oh, so. There's a lot of them, that, there was a lot of them in my work, I can tell you. And they're, they're around yeah. us everywhere. I mean, you know, yeah. I, mean, I am not going to say, I, I'm just hoping, Shah, that to the, Blessed souls that are listening to this show. All I was, I was thinking, what, what do I want to achieve? You know, and I asked God to be with me and help me and inspire me and guide me and help me speak some wisdom while we're sharing this today. And my, and I asked, and I just asked him. I said, Lord, can you please just? What I'm hoping is to. I'm going to tell the truth, and I'm going to say it how it is, even if it even if it doesn't seem like it wasn't something I was going to talk about, but I just hope that there's someone out there, one person, that it helps. That that I say something that they that you or not you or I say something today, that that somewhere out someone out there who ha- has not had the opportunity to speak up and share their inner truth, that they will hear what we have to say and say, oh, I'm not alone. That's right. That's right, because people need support. That's why I started the whole thing. And uh, with much fear and trepidation, seriously, just terrified, yet I felt like, you know what, you have to stick your neck out there because people are chosen for a certain job. 
you know, True. and then True. you just got yep. to do it, and uh, then the reward will come. You know, the rewards that came were is, is yep. nothing I ever counted on. You know, meeting yep. so many awesome people and growing in myself, having less yep. fear and stuff like that. And, uh, yep. you know, yep. then you get a certain age, you know, you really just want to tell the truth and be who you are. Because, you know, That's how wrong. long can you fake it your whole life? You're trying, That's you true. know, you try to do whatever you think is compatible with your environment. But after yep. a while, it's like, you know, I just don't fit here. I just not me. Yep. I don't know what yep. you're talking about anymore. Because that's what's happened to yep. me lately is I actually don't know yes. what people are talking oh, about. Good. I don't know if that happens mm. to you. <laughs> like, what oh, the hell are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? Definitely. <laughs> it was like It was like the first, you know, 35 years of my life. You know, I, I, grew, I grew up and I was taught by well-meaning people who... Um, you know, in the post-war sort of era, era where you know we're all patriotic and you know, hallelujah, mm. and you know you could you could drive out to the country and leave your door open and, and no one would steal anything, burgle your house. But you know, I, I got through about 35 years of it, and the last few years of it, and I thought, oh, this. I remember Joe Frazier saying about Ali, Ali saying what Ali was going to do to him and this, that, and he said, you know what, I don't believe that, and it was kind of the same with me. I'm thinking. Things started like it was almost like the the voice in my head was starting to talk to me, and I became not just the doer, but I was the doer and the watcher as well. And and in time, yes. it actually led to me having to leave the the all the things, most of the things that I had been taught to be the way it is in the world. And 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 here I am, another twenty years down the track, and. And and in some ways, as though even though I'm bruised and battered and broken, mm-hmm. I feel in some ways uh, more whole yeah. and and more well in in a in a in a more in, more meaningful way. You know, I, I can live with myself, Shah. You know. Yes, that took that takes you know that takes all the courage you know, that we have in us as humans to do that because you step out into the unknown, but you're yep. listening to that that quiet voice that tells the truth. You know, truth. it just tells it flat out. And when you listen to that, what happens is when we're drinking or we're uh, trying to placate others or we're trying to do all that, that voice gets quieter and quieter. We don't hear it anymore. You know what True. I mean? The one that warns yes, us do. that don't do this. Like, why do people keep running radio tracks? You know, you ever wondered about the signs that come down? There's a warning. That thing will come down. And the other round thing, the lights will turn on. Then the sirens yep. start blowing. And people still go around and get smashed by that train. You yes. know, it's because you don't listen to the voice anymore. Yep. You know, and then when you listen to your voice, it's profound because we have a yep. higher knowledge and knowing. I believe in yes. our higher watch ourselves that actually Definitely. watches. The, it's, the, it's the whole us. Uh, this is, I believe, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's the whole us, who we were born to be, is watching us Absolutely. all the time, along yes. with our higher power and stuff like that. But we have a whole yep. self that talks to us. Go ahead. Yes, definitely, definitely. You know, um, when when you asked me to come on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, well, you know, I looked at the journey for Rob and thought, well, it, it hasn't just been... Um, like sightings of craft and and um, and you know you know beings in my room and 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 dreams and stuff like that. There's there's been a a, a 
fairly broad um, a variety of experiences. You know what I mean? But my yeah. first actual known psychic uh, experience happened when I was 37 um, and my first actual sighting of a craft, I think, or what I believe to be, you know, a higher intelligence uh, occurred in, on Christmas 1998. Um, and between those two events, Sharp, um, I had a an experience on a Reiki table one day. Uh, we used to go have a, 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 a support group um, under the banner of ACOA, which was a 12-step group. It was basically mm -hmm. a, a lot of us adult children who'd, who'd gravitated yeah. towards this, this, this group at the church. Um, uh, so 96, no, 97, 98, I'd sort of gotten myself involved in the ACOA group and we used to go down and sit in the, in the study at the, at the old Christian church by the lake down in a small town on the lake near my hometown. And, um, and, and strangely enough, I, I, I ran into a, a, quite a number of people that I knew and grew up with and, and some ex-police who, whom I worked with and, um, <clears throat> across the road from the church, we used to meet down there at 10 o'clock on Wednesday mornings and, uh, at, at noon we'd finish and we started going across the road to the Reiki class because they needed volunteers, you know. So here I am on this Reiki, Reiki table and we thought, oh, gee, this is this is good. So a couple of the girls from the ACOA group, we, we piled down to her place and this is in August 98 and we decided we can do some kind of a generic healing on each other. So we use crystals and we just sort of, you know, the hands over the body and, and holding the arms and just... We just went. We just went with it, you know. Anyway, my turn came, and I hopped up, hopped up on the table. <laughs> and anyway, I went out like a light. Next minute, I'm floating down to this this uh, area behind a huge rock wall, and and then then I'm standing on a on a, on a gravel, you know, road, and I'm thinking, and it felt sounded like there was a bazaar. Like I felt like I was, in, you know, I didn't know where I was, like India or somewhere. And um, next minute. Here is walks in this this man from my left, and the, and he was wearing a crimson robe with gold speckles, and he he looked to me a little bit like Mark Spitz, you know, just in the yeah. in his general look, but a little bit rounder in the face, but he looked like Mark, and he had very dark chocolate, bronzy, chocolatey skin, and a, and he had this big turban on, you know, and he looked at me, and I thought, gee, where do I know you from? You know, I just he looked familiar to me. He looked like an older, he had a, an older brother kind of a, an essence about him. The next, and he and he stood there, and he had an elephant standing with him. He had a big elephant standing behind him. And the next minute, in in from the right comes this smaller guy, dark skin, uh, dressed in pure white. So he had the turban. He had a smaller, rounder turban and a and a white robe. He took us over to. Now this is something that I I just did not expect. I hear one minute I'm I'm lying on the reiki table and they've got their hands on my arms and and I just drifted off. I just drifted off. I went somewhere, and um, so here I am. And and they took they they took me over to where the it was all flat. It was like the land, the sea, the sky, and the sun. And this little holy man, I called him, pure white, pure white, um, dark skin though. He had dark skin, <clears throat> and he he put he held his arm out over towards and kind of like his hand was pointing towards the sun, and he and telepathically or just. I understood him to say, "This is where our problem lay lies. Um, we 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 are like in a minority, 
was a little bit like the you know sounded a little bit like the the rhetoric I heard when I was a junior policeman. But he said it to me, said it in police training. But he but it wasn't that that I've I've got to be careful not to think and just let it be what it is yeah. because I tend yeah. to do that. But anyway, the little holy guy said, look, this is where we're we're in a minority. We're a growing army of people who are the world the people the world has lost when he held his hand out towards the sun i took that to mean the world the world people have lost their way they think that they they don't they don't think about god the same way and i'm saying not saying they as in global like everybody but i'm just saying this was the message he gave me people have lost their way and they think that to speak about god is like um folly you know it's just you know it's not real and all that sort of stuff. We are going to bring people back to God. That's that's. He said, "You're young." He said, "It's early days for you." He said, "But we're going to teach you through your heart." And he said, "And this is like 17 years ago, by the way." And he said, "We're going to talk. We're going to teach you. You're one of us. You're young." He said, "We're going to teach you. Keep listening. Follow follow what you're told and trust it. In time, when the time comes, we will call you." And that's basically what he said. And then the next thing, I'm standing out in front of this rock wall, in front of the big, like, like a like a railway tunnel going into a hill. You know, it was just, and I think, God, you know what? I'm, and there were these ladies spinning yarn beside with mm-hmm. spinning wheels and the pedals. And I'm standing there thinking, Do I have to go in here? Do I have to go? Now it's funny because I knew what was on the other side. I, when I came, when I floated down, I could see there was just, you know, it was nothing to be scared of. But I thought. Do I have to commit to this? And I heard a voice saying, no, you don't have to commit yet. You know, you don't have to commit. But it was kind of like um, trust. It was about trusting. It was just trusting. There's the void. Mm -hmm. Trust. Trust and you will be fine. Then I started to become aware of my body. But in that process, I saw this line of letters go past my eyes from, from right to left all hooked up and I saw all these words and I was I saw I picked words out of them but they weren't words that I was used to and one of them was a word called Ramana and I took the, and I as soon as I saw it and I said that word to my mom I saw the, the man in the crimson robe and I so I took it that that was what he was his name was and um, I also averred that this experience was somewhere in the 1920s, the late 1920s, like about 1928 or something like this. And I don't know. Don't ask me how I knew this or how I come to feel this, but that's what I happened anyway. So um, now, where was I? Yeah, the, the ticker tape sort of thing with all the letters, and I picked out certain words. Mm-hmm. Certain words jumped out at me, and they stuck with me. But I started saying this name, Ramana, 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 as I came out and I came back into my body and I just looked up and the two girls stand there just smiling at me. And that was fine. Now, I was so impressed by this experience that I I told my sister about it a few days later. And I think that that, was, that would have been on the, the 5th of August, 1998. And on the 9th, because that's what I've written the date on the bottom of it. I was out at my sister's farm and I was telling my sister Julie about this experience. And my friend Les from the group was telling Julie about Reiki and, you know, you know, because Julie was having a fair bit of stress at the time, my older sister. And anyway, was sitting there and I, I had an A4 scribble pad with me and I, and I had a biro in me, I had a pen in my hand and a ballpoint. And I'm just, you know, looking at it and I was writing down these words. And I'll I'll tell you, 
Tusha, one of the words that I wrote down that I'd never really tried to find out whether it was actually a real word, I looked it up about four weeks ago and it was the word was uh, Chayra, C-H-A-Y-R-A. And I looked it up on the internet and you know what it means? It means life, L-I-F-E, life. I, I, wow. And I'd never even thought to look it up because I didn't even know if it was a real word, but it means life. Isn't that amazing? So anyway, it's amazing. Um, that was the, and that was the name of his elephant too. I, I thought his his elephant was that was the name of his elephant, <laughs> and it's funny. But I never really looked, and and so I was I, I wrote these you know Ramana, Rambi, Ali, Shara, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. Next minute I'm seeing this, and it was like a kid's um, letter set pad where you you got the cellophane and you draw with a blunt pen, and then you when you're finished and made a mess you pull it up and it, and it clears and then you start writing again. You know those things we used to have when we were kids. Yeah. And anyway, um, I started seeing it was it sort of looked like lines, like that grey, bluey sort of line. So I just started filling it in and it ended up being Ramana, the person. And I can't draw, but I, that's what I did. I drew him and then I could see something behind him. So I started filling that in and it ended up being the elephant. Now, that was quite amazing to me. I, I, cause I One, because I can't draw. And two, because I put that, that, that A4 piece of paper in a frame and I put it up on my lounge room uh, wall and 19 or 20 months later, I ran into an old school teacher of mine, friend, she came into the ACOA support group and <clears throat> am I right to continue? Oh, yes, because uh, we go till, uh, you still got like 50 minutes, 40, okay. 40 minutes. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, because I want to hear the whole thing. Go okay, ahead. yep. Well, anyway, so my friend, I rem remembered her from my um, first year at high school. She was a, uh, she'd had a car accident just before the, the first term, and so she came in about four or five weeks after, and so she just took um, spare classes during the year, and I got to know her. She was a spitting image of John Lennon, by the way. So if you, that's her name was Vanessa, and uh, she was, she had, you know, the glasses, the granny glasses, and the the lock, you know, the, the hair and yeah. and the nose, and she looked like John Lennon. But she's a lovely, lovely girl. And anyway, she was only young, and I was like, you know, 12, 13, 12 I was, and uh, you know, she was like twenty or something. So I was in love with her. But um, anyway, <laughs> we uh, I, we ran into each other. She'd moved back to the town um, after many, many years away, and I saw her up at the pool one day, and I said, "Oh, I remember you. You're Vanessa, aren't you?" She said, "Yeah, you, you're Robert, aren't you?" I said, "Yeah." Anyway. Some months later, she left her husband, or they parted, and then she came into the group. And so we started walking together because she was a bit of a bushwalker. And so we, we started hanging out. And uh, she came around to my home one day and she walked in and she looked, saw the, the, the um, drawing up on the, on the wall and she said, Oh, who's that? Now we're talking August 1998 to April 2000. And here's me not thinking anything the wiser just thinking that Ramana was a guide, a spirit guide or something like that. And I also at the time I got, I drew a kind of a simple map that I look back now and I think that's pretty profound to be honest with you because mm -hmm. I didn't know why I was drawing it and I didn't know where it was and I didn't look it up. I just drew it and I kept it and I marked the spot where I thought he lived and when I look back now I said, where do we get this stuff from? But anyway, this is, you know, how it works for us, isn't it? But... Yeah. Anyway, so she looks up and she says, oh, who's that? And I said, oh, that's my guide. And she said, what, what's his name? And I said, Ramana. She said, oh, how did you know about him? And I said, uh, 
I came to me in a vision a couple of years ago across the road when we went across to the Reiki class. Oh, no, after a Reiki class, we went down to down to Heather's place and Maisie and Heather. We did a, we did some healings on each other, and and I just drifted out and away I went, and there 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 it was. And and she said, oh, uh, how did you know about how did you, but how did you know it was him? And I said, oh, he just that's the name from from him. You know, that's the name that he, that I came out of the 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 Reiki believing he was you know like i mean <clears throat> when i pulled the name out i said all these words went past me and i picked that out and i i just know it's him do you realize he's a real person i said no never heard of him I, she said no he was he was an indian healer he he died around 1950 he was the silent healer and i said well i drew a map i drew a map uh, i said and firstly i said oh really I said, I, I said, did you mention him at school? And she said, no, I certainly wouldn't have mentioned Indian history at, at high school in Bensdale in 1972. No, <laughs> she said, my right. husband used to play. My husband used to play basketball with a guy called Clayton Riley, who was from probably California, I think. Uh, we had a lot of um, overseas teachers come down in the early 70s, and um, from from your way, and uh, mm-hmm. Clayton used Clayton and. Um, and Billy used to play basketball together, and she said, "I think I've got a picture of this guy at home." Now I'm telling you, when I oh saw that picture, God. I could not believe it. I held it up, and I just could not believe the resemblance. I could not believe it. I thought, "Oh my God!" Because when I was drawing this guy, I mean, I'll be really brutally honest. I, I wonder, am I drawing myself, or what am I drawing here? I've got this really, yeah. really rational, critical. Let's go to the nth degree, policeman's eliminate all yeah. possibilities brain, and and I. And I, I held that actually to uh, to be honest with you, Shah, if I turned that picture around uh, backwards and held it up, it looked because they, the the angle of the face is the same. There's, there's there are sim- uh, similarities in that picture that I couldn't have I couldn't have um, dreamt that I that would be. And um, I'll show them to you um, when off the air in the next few days. I'll oh, yeah. point out a couple I'd of things in those that. pictures that I tell you I just could not believe it. Anyway, and the and the drawing. So we went around to Vanessa's place and we get out the big her big because she's a school teacher and we get this huge blooming atlas out and we come across and it turned out to be India, which I didn't know. We and the borders of the countries above were right and the the angle of the western coast. And where I put that mark, I could not believe it. I was a, a little bit west of where, but because I, I didn't draw the the other side of the country, so I, I put it down, and it was right in the in the in the spot. And I could, and I saw a mountain. And he used to walk up a mountain called Mount Arunachala every day. I just could not believe it. Couldn't believe it. And um, and I thought, ah. Oh. So this is the funny thing, you know. The other day I was talking to you, and I get excited when I'm talking about this stuff because when I'm telling people, I, I think, God, you know, that's 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 not um, average stuff, you know. It's, it's where no, do you it get this stuff. But that that is what happened, and um, yeah. So no, it turned I think out to it be goes with, Yeah, I think it goes with uh, because we're talking about real stuff. It's not imaginary. It's not. This True. is. If we well, were talking about space and time, they're they're still alive. I mean, they're they're gone from uh, our conscious existence, but a yeah. subconscious level. I think all these people are still alive. Still, they're obviously still Definitely. nurturing and helping you. 
And uh, it's so odd because I had I've had many out of body experiences, and I just thought, you know, I'm 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 gonna die someday like this, you know what I mean? Because I I feel like I'm dying in my sleep. You mean, anyway, you, you, you might go out there and not come back. That's what I mean. That's why I started feeling <laughs> like okay, and then it just even happened recently. I went, okay, is my number up? But no, I'm still here. But anyway, one of the times I left, I went to India. And I recognized where I was, and I went into a cave that was being uh, protected. Okay, so it was this huge cave, sandy bottom, uh, beautiful because of all the torch light, and torch lights, amber, and, and beautiful gold. And uh, there was two huge, I mean, these guys had to be 10 feet tall, standing guard at the door, while me and hundreds of people were in this cave harmonizing and singing. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, that would have and good. it it was yes, it was beautiful, and I am a singer, but the name and the dream said with uh, you're with the singers, I was the singers, so then I of course, like you i looked I looked it up, and like this was revealed to you, I looked it up, and there is a religious sect in India called the singers, and that's what they do, yep, they sing, yep, yep. You know, and it's the that's same the thing. And we don't Absolutely. have for, yeah, it's a validation. We don't have for knowledge of this stuff because it's so interesting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, uh, well, the full name, the full name, uh, the, uh, Ramana was uh, just for the listeners, if they, if it sounds familiar, Shah, his name was Sri Ramana Maharshi. And he was born in 1879 and he died in 1950. And he lived in a, a town called Tiruvannamalai in southern India. Um, and he was a silent healer. He had a hall. He used to just lay on his couch at the head of the hall and with his monkey. And people used to come in and sit. And they said that if he looked at you, oh, my God. You know what I mean? If he gazed mm-hmm. into your eyes, it was just so profound. So that's just so that the the people listening can can well, he was have born a frame in of 1879, reference. 1879, and he passed away okay. in in 1950. 1950. Yep. Could you spell his name for us? Because I'm going to put it in here so people can see it. Go ahead. Yes. Um, his name is Rama. R A M A N A Ramana. Mhm. Okay, that's all we can find it. M-A. Yeah, M-A-R. Well, actually, if you put the S-R-I before, Sri Ramana, S-R-I, so Sri Ramana Maharshi, M-A-H-A-R-S-H-I, Maharshi, M-A-H, sorry, M-A-H-A-R-S-H-I, Maharshi. Yeah, Maharshi. And what a guy. And I, yeah, I, they're they're leaders, so religious blessed. leaders. Actually, you're very blessed, and to have uh, this, these are you know I've had dreams of who my guardian angels are, and it's not yep. as expected. One's a, a a tribe of Indian chiefs with the yep. whole big feathered headgear, and, and then there's a group of Jewish ladies that stand in a group and pray for me and. There, you know, you never know who's going to show up and who's... I don't know how it all goes together. You know, well, I'll tell you a little story. It, it you does. know Misha, don't you? You know, Misha. you? you know Misha, don't you? Yes. Over in Las yes. Vegas. Yes. Misha, early on, I mean, Reef, Misha, God bless her beautiful soul, she's had a hard time of it, like 
like we have and and probably a little bit harder than what I've I've had but she's been very very helpful to me Misha and um she had an affinity with a reptilian man called Iano and she hadn't seen this man for many many years and I and I I've since come to believe since I had this talk with her a couple of years back about this that it was probably her fear that was blocking him out because she had a rough time with the with. Let's face it, you know as well as I do. At the at the basis of all this, Shah, it is still about good versus evil. That's what that yes. that that is the foundation of what you, we're, what we need. God gives us that opportunity to choose, and God bless God, you know, because he is he is just so amazing that you know to give us. To trust us with our own, um, our own choice choices, mm-hmm. and he leaves it to us. And um, you know, there are good. And what my point being that there, there is, there are good people, and there are not good people. And I do believe in to forgive them for they know not what they're doing. I, I really do believe that. And anyway, although that doesn't help us when we're on the receiving end of it, I, I might add, but. I, I just happened to catch Misha one day and I was talking to her and I said, you know, um, you're doing a really great job, you know. And um, and she said, oh, thanks, Rob, you know. And I said, you, you're really helping a lot of people. And I, and, and I said, um, and she said, oh, and it just came up about, she said something about the reptilian man that she knew, Iano, and, I said, and she said, oh, look, I don't know whether he's still around. And I immediately knew that he was, and I said, "No, he's he's okay. He's okay. He's here." And then, and then we got into the conversation, and in the end, we were both crying. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how. Why me? The next minute, in my mind's eye, and and I could feel. I could. It was palpable. He was standing beside me, behind me, with his right hand on my left shoulder, and I could see him in my mind's eye. I can describe him for you, and I tell you. If people could just understand, could for one minute put put their um, uh, the way they, they they perceive, you know, like they, their pre preconceptions about things, particularly maybe uh, the reptilians, and I'm not, and I'm certainly not um, saying that there, there's, you know, I'm sure that there's people I know that there's people Misha for example has, has had such a hard time from a rogue element of the of of reptilian species that she was so so scared to ever ever and it was her fear that was keeping of keeping um Iano out and here he is standing behind me standing beside me with his hand on my shoulder and I was bawling because I mean in the Australian sense we say bawling meaning crying and and this man had no fear, no fear. It is just an amazing, educational, profound experience to be in the presence of a being that does not have fear. This man would die for you. And it makes us realise, I mean, how how badly human beings rattle with fear. We're on the planet yeah. of fear, so they say. But you exactly. know what I mean? And I will be an advocate for this man because the love that he had is so profound and and he is a real person and he if 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 there was only one good rep that's him because i tell you he is a really really good person and i will i will i will stand up for him as long as i live until unless of course he does something to show me otherwise 
And it was so good right. because Misha was so... And she has seen him. Misha and, and, and um, Bridget have had experiences with, with uh, uh, Iano in the last couple of years since we had that talk, which just started off me thinking I'm just telling Misha, good on you, thanks very much for helping everybody. Yeah. It's, uh, so I don't it's know phenomenal that, because we're all being brought together. You know, I think yes. I think it's uh, it's no coincidence. It's a a divine plan, and uh, keeping an open mind is also important because I have True. also a judge, you know, in me that's judging all the time, and I got to snap out of it because it, it'll limit uh, my creativity. I'm supposed to be doing certain things and not worrying about all the old stuff anymore. True. True. How does that story uh, resonate with you? I think it's a beautiful thing, and and uh, strangely enough, uh, but I don't have a, a experience with uh, like a reptilian thing going on. I know the, a lot of people that I know have, and uh, the reptilian uh, thing. But I what I perceive when I'm actually have seen things, I always think of them as ants or uh, really big ants, like four feet tall. But I see yep. them, when I see them as, as they are, they're not a reptile. They're actually uh, in an ant suit. They look like oh, big, yep. tall ants on their hind legs. And, oh, yeah. Or sometimes they look like hummingbirds to me. Yes. So yes. I'm looking at like a hummingbird. And one time yep. I thought I was looking at a chickadee, you know, which is weird because uh, my I have an experience, a friend that I we have experiences together and she and I both saw, uh, for the first time, this is my first positive experience, was cats. Oh, it, yeah. It, it, it was so odd. It was really weird because it's not in my You're experience. About the cat people. Yeah, I'm talking about the cat people. And they I didn't beautiful. even know there was they any cat people. Beings. You are so fortunate, my dear. You know about the cat people? I can't believe this. No, well, I've, heard, I've like heard about them. them. I've heard about them, wow. and it's. It, I've heard about them, and I have heard that they are just the most loving kind, but they are also Love. a creator race. That's it. So what happened is that uh, I they came to my place, and I let them in, and there were tall, furry, blue cats with big blue eyes, full of love. And, well, the blue. Um, I the loved blue them. Always I hugged them. The love. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know this until it happened, and I actually talked about it with my group, and I had literally yep. no response because yep. they hadn't heard of it before. So there was like saying a profound story, and then you said it to the wall. It was such an awkward. I felt like, oh, my God, yeah. what did I just say? Yeah, <laughs> well, a friend, friend of mine from over too. your way, a friend of mine from over your way, uh, Maureen yeah. Land, she asked me one night, night she just said, Rob, have you heard of the cat people? I have a friend who's having visitations from cat people and she said she's not used to having any experiences at all and it's kind of spooking her but she's not scared she's sort of wondering can you find out for me so that's why i asked a few people in the in the know you know what what what's the word on the of the cat people and they said no nah, they're beautiful they're creator beings if she's having experience with cat people she's really really fortunate wow that's good yeah. to hear cuz i yeah. really kind of needed it to hear so that. Yep. It's uh yeah my best friend uh, so the next morning I I called her to talk to her about it and she said 
Uh, I was over there last night. I said, are you with the cat? She said, yeah. I mean, then she she actually bought a jacket with the same two different colors. It was their blue with, with darker blue stripes. Yep. And she got a jacket the exact same color and showed up at Denny's to to oh, show beautiful. it to me. So we went through kind of an ET thing, like we got to find what they look like. And But the yeah. love is the first time I encountered a precious yep. love. But then if you remember, cats were worshipped in Egypt. Yes. Oh, true. They were too. That's right. Yeah. So that's the breakthrough yep. I had with it. The, they may now, have. That... Yep. Yeah. Go on. Oh, they may have had experiences with the cat people and then started worshiping cats or something. You know, that's what I was thinking. Say that again. You had experiences with cat people and you were going to work with them? I I was thinking that, no, I was thinking the people of ancient Egypt that worshipped cats Mm. and and cat deities and they also worshipped their own little cats, that maybe they had met these cat people and that's why they were making all this artwork and statues and burning all the cats. You'd have to think so. You'd have to think so, definitely, because it wouldn't come from nothing. If they, yeah, if they had saying. reverence towards the cats, that would have to come from something experiential or something deep in their knowing. It's a funny thing. I've always been a dog person. I don't mind okay. cats, so I've always been a dog person. Since we've moved here, the uh, the, the people across the street here, they they brought in a cat to their world, um, a, a young cat when they were when she was. Well, I think they they brought her. They bought her, and um, anyway, that was probably five or six years ago. That cat lives here. She sleeps on my bonnet of my car. She comes over. She comes in here and she climbs up on me. She absolutely loves me, and I'm I'm okay with that because, you know, I I do have that kind of um, uh, that little bit of a laugh about it. I said, oh well, you know, I've got the cat people with me. You know, it's good, and she mm-hmm. just absolutely loves me. That cat. Well, it it does make you wonder, uh, you know, why things were named, well, like the dog star, Cyrus, and all this other stuff. Yep. Like, what is, you know, all this comes from, and it could be based on this truth. And believe me, I was shocked uh, when I saw them, but the love that they gave me is the first time I was not afraid during uh, each oh, experience. Oh, that's beautiful. And, yeah, and then my best friend collaborated it because she uh, was here, too, and her husband, who was not yep. looking at us, was standing out in the yard looking at his phone, you know, because yep. he's kind of getting dragged along on these experiences. So we've been friends yep. over 40 years. So Beautiful. we experience it almost like sisters, you know, and uh, I'm glad I have somebody that had gone through it with me because it's some peculiar stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, that's that's true. That's true. It's good to have someone to, to share it with and uh, hopefully someone who's having having experiences themselves, which helps. It's a, a funny thing. I, it, it reminds me of back um, in 2009. I met a, I met a friend down here through my brother. They both worked at the liquor stores of the supermarkets in different towns, and, and my brother was very good friends with my friend, uh, my friend's wife, and, 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 and so they used to go away on bush trips and barbecues and stuff like that. And anyway, my brother said to me one night on, on Facebook, he said, oh, um, Lee's uh, husband, Mick, had a bit of a strange experience um, up the bush, up the forest near you um, a couple of years ago. Oh, no, uh, earlier this year. And I said, oh, what sort of a, an experience? He said, oh, a grey one. And I said, oh, gee, that would be interesting. I'd like to talk with him. 
And so mm-hmm. he gave me Mick's phone number and I called Mick and Mick only lives like 30 miles down the road from here and he called me back and um, we had this big talk for about an hour during which Mick told me that he was doing some tree work out, out in the bush and uh, he looked up and here's this little grey standing there looking at him, uh, only about 30 yards away. And he said it really blew his mind. He said he hadn't really thought of ETs and UFOs and stuff like that really ever. He, he was interested in crop circles, having a, his family was from England originally and um, you know he, he had a bit of an interest in that. But he said this really, really changed his life. He said he, he, he just really blew him away. And it just stood there looking at him and he looked at it and they stood and he, and he, he was just finishing work anyway. So he thought, oh, well, I better pick up my gear and, 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 and go home. And he went home and he put it in his, his, his little um, diary and kept it there. And he told me all about this. And it, that story, that was really the pivotal time for me, Shah, because that was uh, November 2008. And I had basically kept a lot of most of my stuff to myself and maybe a few close friends if I thought that it was relevant to speak to them about it and um, so from the from 1997 through till 2000, uh, 2008 I basically kept my experiences to myself and partly because I had a reverence for them I, I believed that it was uh, I knew that it was real and um, I, I didn't want anyone laughing at the experience not not me I didn't care you know people I've been laughed at yeah. before but I just didn't want people showing disrespect for the truth. So I kept it basically where it was appropriate for that time. But when I met Mick and had that talk with Mick, that's how I met Mary Rodwell, um, because he'd gone to see Mary too and asked her, what's this all about? You know, So I'd, I'd never heard of Mary prior to November 2008, but I started emailing with Mary. And, um, so between, but it really arced me up. It was almost like, you know, I started getting a bit, Tui taking the bins out at night. I'd be looking up at the up on the roof, and I, it really sort of triggered me off a bit. And I asked Mary. I said, "What's what's this about?" She said, "Oh, it's, it's your time. It, you, it's triggered you. It's it started you up, and you you really sort of be looking at trying to work out what's going on now. It's really pulled your focus in. And and I think what it did, Char, was that you know I'd always believed, and I always knew that. Well, you know, I mean, I'm just speaking honestly. I I just knew that. That the DTs were were real and UFOs were real and um, you know they showed me enough of, of a variety of, of, of sightings back in the late uh, 90s and early 2000s and I saw all sorts of things like formations of three flying over me silently, um, golden lights that would come across and stop right in front of me, um, milky lights. Um, yeah, also you know just stationary lights that would blow up and then. Turn down and move off, and that, that kind of thing. So I had I had a, a, even one night, uh, one afternoon, Vanessa and I were out the back of my home back in December 2001, and it was just a nice bright afternoon, about 7 p.m. late in the afternoon, and this red triangular craft went across my home, and had uh, black stripes on the bottom of it or grooves, and um, four or five antennae, aluminium-looking antennae sticking out one corner. Um, and um, yeah, so I'd, I'd had a, a fair, fair lot of sightings, and um, also saw a, a disc one night. I come home from down the street, and I hopped out of my car this afternoon. It was a bright, breezy afternoon, and something said, "Look up," and I looked straight up, and there it was. And the funny thing was, as soon as I locked onto it, and I thought, "Oh, beauty!" and it just 
shot straight up like a bullet. Yeah, so it left a you it's know, like black they know hole. You're looking at them. Yeah, yeah, it's like they they actually instantaneously know you're looking at them. They take off. That's why yep. a lot of these uh, photographs of so-called aliens, things like that. I don't believe it. Yep. Cause I don't think they're going to hang it still long enough for you to do that. It's not going to. Uh, it's it's rare to even got see a, them. That's right. As soon as I got a lock on, and I thought beauty, because I thought it was ironic that I kept on saying, "Come on, guys, show us a show us a disc." You know, I want to see one. You know, everyone else sees them. I want to see one too. And so they show me this this jolly rectangular, you know, red thing that looked like a duck punt, you know, and I thought, oh, God, come on, guys, what are you doing? Anyway, a few months later, I saw the disc, and I thought, right, beauty. But um, getting back to 2008 and 2009, around around that time when I was sort of triggered off and I was really sort of buzzing, I was thinking, God, you know, it's almost like I was having a, a reaction to something, but, um, well, I was, but I, I thought, I'm not having a PTSD reaction because there's nothing going on, so I couldn't sort of, you know attributed to anything other than the fact that Mick had told me this story. And I thought, what what it actually did, apart from everything else that started to, it's almost like it opened me up more and I started having more experiences around that time uh, before going over to Mary's place in April 2009 and beyond. But um, uh, it showed me, and this is the thing, you go, why didn't I think of this? Why did I not think of this? Why didn't I just know this? I'd always known they were there. I kind of felt that they were family. Back in 2006, I was out the back having a beer and I was thinking, God, I don't want to be here anymore. I've just had a gut full of this. I just want to go home. And I heard mm-hmm. this voice from up above say to me, no, you have got to, you, you've got work to do and you have to be here. Get off the grog. Start getting yourself fit, getting yourself healthy because you have another full career in front of you. You have another full, wow. you know, job in front of you. You must stay. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, so I did. And I stopped drinking nine years ago, and it's the best thing I ever did because it oh, made me okay. lazy. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, they've, they've, you know, I always knew they were there, but I, this is the thing. Now, this is really coming out. When Mick told me that story about the ET, the little grey guy, or girl, actually, he felt it was had a female essence. He said, when Mick told me about that, it was so close to here that it could have been me that saw it. You know what I mean? It was so close to me, this event occurring. That's when I realised just it just hit me. It just hit me that they're not out there. They're in here. We're connected to them. We have a wow. connection to them. We have a familiarity with them. You know, we, yeah. there's no separation. That was the moment that I realised that, and I felt like a real idiot. I thought, why didn't I, knew, why didn't I even think of that? I mean, now, I, I didn't sort of put two and two together, but in March 2009, I saw a little ET in my bedroom doorway. Um, I, I had fallen asleep, and I and I opened my eyes, and there he was. He was standing there. It was about, it was about like, 50% solid. But he didn't have a, a large cranium. He was a grey, elder-looking uh, being. He's probably only about three foot two. Uh, he was just standing there, and he was relaxed, and he was just looking at me. He had wrinkles across his forehead. He was just standing there. And then he looked, and he realised that I was looking at him. He sort of jumped, you know. He sort of started. But I didn't, and then, you know, that's fine, and I wasn't, it didn't frighten me, but I've got to 
I've got a, a just it's just occurred to me that this occurred within short months of of meeting Mick and telling me about the grey being he saw. But um, yeah, the, the irony of that story was, Shah, that I didn't. This was about four or five in the morning, I think, from memory. Emily's. I don't know whether Emily's light was light was bed light was on or mine was on. But anyway, I saw I saw him. Absolutely no. There's no. I, I saw him right, and mm-hmm. and I sort of fell back asleep. And the next morning, um, about ten a.m., Emily comes out and she said, and "I'm sitting here on the computer as I am now." And she said, "Oh, guess what?" And she said, "I said what?" She said, "When I woke up before, she said there was this little grey being standing beside the bed looking at me." And I said, "Can you draw him?" And she said, "Yeah." And I got her to draw him, and I said, and that's when I said to her, "I said I saw him last night." Isn't that amazing? So I had corroboration. And it's the first, it's really the only time that's happened to either of us, like seeing a little grey. But he didn't have a big high forehead. He he was he was just, um, I've got a picture of, a couple of years later, I found a picture of of um, one of one of my friends over in South America had one on his, in his photos. And I asked him if I could take it and, and I, Desaturated it, and 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 this little guy had a sort of a, a, an aura, a bit bluish. He was a little bit bluish. He was grey, but bluish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. I've, I've had a lot of things happen. Do you think happen, uh, was the texture very... of a skin? Uh, was it kind of opalescent? Uh, meaning that's what that bluish hue was from? No, no, I didn't. No, okay. uh, it was a nice. It wasn't a gray, a grand dry black gray. It was it, it was like a um, it was almost like um, um, if you if you had plasticine, mm-hmm. if you had a, a if you had a, a a ball of plasticine and you held it between your middle finger and your and your thumb up in front of you, and then you imagined it to be fifty percent opaque or like fifty percent translucent. Yeah. With it, and it was, it was, uh, it was a, a higher sort of a grey with a with a, a tinge of blue in it. That's what he looked like. He wasn't blue, but he had he had a kind of a I could, it was kind of a little bit of blue in in the aura of him. Yeah, what I notice about people that um, are having real experiences is they'll be able to answer a question if I ask a question like that. They could actually give you those kind of details, as I could. I could tell and he you didn't have what big they black look eyes like, what anything. they smell like. Yeah, that's a, he, did they like, have... he was just he was just relaxed, you know, and he just sort of stood there and like this. And he sort of he, he sort of started when I, you know what I mean. He, and I don't. And yeah. look, I look back, Sharon. I think was he putting us back, or was he just getting ready to take us? You know, um, I, well, I don't know. What do you think about? Have... What do you think about an interdimensional thing? Because I started being aware of that maybe there there's some kind of interdimensional thing going on that maybe Definitely. they're here but just not right in here in our reality Definitely. at this moment. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. And and the more that we are awakened and opened up, the more our awareness and our receptive receptive receptivity is is opened up and enhanced um and also i think that they have to make an effort to bring their vibration down enough so that we can see them at all you know what i mean but definitely yeah. i definitely the interdimensional the more we wake up Shah, 
the more we are, are, are uh, the more we remember, the more, more the more we trust, the more we the we accept, you know, it it's easier for us to perceive interdimensionally. You know, okay, I I've recently uh, found myself in in um, I've gone. I'll I'll, talk, I'll say that later. Go on. What were we going to say? Uh, somebody uh, is really complimenting you. They feel like that you're coming across very honest and real, and that um, she wants to compliment you on that, and that um, they want to know how we know each other. So well, we know each other from across the world because you're you're in Australia, but we know each other from Facebook. And yep. uh, uh, you're very cautious about uh, who you hang with, too. So I'm one of the privileged few, I think. <laughs> oh, Thank no, you. I'm not that. I'm not that cautious, but I don't. I I I make sure that I do not um, interfere in other people's business. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a question. The gray. Do you? Is, is this, it's from the gallery. If you uh, did, you feel like you knew him, or maybe that you were related in some way in the past or in the future. Elder man that I saw in the doorway that night, I didn't um, feel that or think that at the time. I just saw him, and I was pleased that I saw him. He got a bit of a start when he realised that I was looking at him, but neither of us were uncomfortable um if i know him um then i'm not i'm not quite aware of it yet if i know him personally i'm not aware of it yet okay so um anyway you know we only got about four minutes to go so uh, I'll, I'll, i'm happy to answer any questions just shoot and i'll, yeah, I'll give so, you the best yeah the time is for for now is to call in Six one nine nine two four nine seven four four. It's been just a mesmerizing talk, and uh, uh, yeah, the comment was that maybe uh, well, the gray knew you, obviously, right? Pardon? The being you're talking about knew you. Oh, uh, I'm um, sure he did. Saying, Do you recognize him? Yeah. So I wonder. I don't. I don't know. You know. Uh, what we talk about in these groups, you know, is that we are chosen for a certain purpose, and that oh, everybody sure has me. a purpose. What? Yeah, I'm sure he knew me, and I'm sure he wanted me yes. to see him. It's just that he wasn't exactly. actually looking straight at me when I looked. When he looked back at me and he saw my eyes open, and he went, "Oh, you know." Yeah, but there was there was no fear. There was like I was so pleased to see him. It was good. Yep. And when Emily came out the next morning, I hadn't said anything to her at all. And she said, "Oh, guess mm-hmm. what happened?" She said, "I woke up and there's this man standing next to the bed." And that—that's good. Oh my goodness! Well, that's yep. good. That's what I want to ask. Well, how is how is Emily doing with all this? And uh, oh, she, how long have you guys been together? Uh, I met Emily on the 28th of uh, October 2007 when I went for a holiday up to Manila with a friend's wife who was visiting okay. her family, and my my beautiful dog Ben, the curly retriever, had passed away and gone to dog heaven. And uh, mm-hmm. I hadn't been for a holiday for 15 years, and we met by chance, by in a group of office workers that we went out for coffee, and uh, there she was. So we got talking after I came home from the holiday, and um, I went up to meet her mum and dad um, a couple of months later, and um, 
and I asked her to marry me, and she said yes, and I thought, beauty, you know, and uh, I've never been married before, so I I got married on my 48th birthday, the 6th of June, 2008. Oh, oh, congratulations, your your anniversary is coming up, and uh, Uh, I wish you guys all the best. So what does she think about all, you know, because you're quite a unique person, because we all have very uh, unusual experiences, and Sometimes it's not so good. I think it really kind of hurt my my relationship because I, I was married a very know. long time. Well, but I'll, I'll, it sounds I'll, like you guys are blooming. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm lucky. I'm lucky because it's funny, Shara. I didn't really start talking to Emily about this stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I, we we were talking back and forth on Messenger. That was how we were communicating. Um, and I probably would have started speaking about it fairly. Um, and she was really comfortable with it. Uh, her reply was, well, she says, well, I'm I'm from the Philippines, but she said, I think I really come from Mars. She said, I don't feel like other people, you know, you know. So I think that she, oh, I'm, she's, oh, if you want wow. to call it in the generic sense, she's a star person too. Yes. Well, we got like one minute left. So uh, do you want to give a shout out to your peeps in Australia or anybody here you want to say hi to or? <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to say hello to my sister Linda here. She's up in um, Brisbane, Brisbane, or you say Brisbane. Um, she's a darling. She's a big, tall, Aryan blonde star girl, Palladian, friend of mine. Um, and anyone else? Um, I can't think. Uh, Hannah over in America. Um, who else? I can't think. Any? I'm just hoping that... that um, Actually, what I really do hope, because we haven't even really got into a lot of the experiences, but I'm I'm hoping I can come back on the show one day, Shara, oh, you, and we you can will. continue yeah, the conversation. We'll, <laughs> well, now we know actually how to to get you in from Australia. You know, it won't be we won't yep. be struggling at the front part. So you're very welcome. So as early Thank as you. July, really. And uh, I would love to have you back on again, and I wish you and yours all the best. And God bless you, and thank you so much for being on, Rob. If you want well, to get God a hold bless of you Rob, too, dear. You, thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, that's do, Rob. Mum want... calls me Rob. That's fine. Yeah, call me Rob. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. I love it. Okay. And I love you so, too, dear. You're a darling. Thank <laughs> I love you, very you much. too, and God bless you for all your help, and I treasure your friendship, and you take you too, care. Dear. God okay, bless. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. See you. God bless. Bye-bye. Yep. So, uh, what an amazing guy, and uh, he is what he appears to be, just true blue, and uh, so I call him Brother Blue because he's just such a real deal. So I want to thank everybody for listening tonight and the people in chat that uh, that hung in here with me the whole time. I want to thank you guys. You're the most brilliant, awesome people. And uh, come by next week because we're going to have Ron Sale, S-E-Y-L-E, Archbishop. And he's going to talk to us about these entities. And uh, uh, he's an exorcist, so we want to talk about this for uh, the first time we've talked about people that wrote about it, but we're going to actually talk about people that uh, actually do the exorcisms and things like that for people that seem or appear to be uh, possessed. So anyway, I want to wish you all the best, and remember the Paranormal and the Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we're going to see you next week where we're here every week at 6 o'clock, and I'm wishing all my friends in contact in the desert I hope they have a blast. God bless you guys. Uh, I know you're having fun out there. And uh, everybody just have a wonderful weekend, and I wish you all the best. And God bless you all. Thank you. Bye-bye.